This Breakfast with Ben's podcast on the Fans First Network brought to you by Gerger Construction. It's not too soon to start planning your dream deck. They build decks year-round, and they're booking into spring and summer 2024. Gerger Construction is a small burg business specializing in decks, pergolas, railings, and fencing. Fully insured, licensed, and now offering financing options. Go to GergerConstruction.com to get your free project estimate or to schedule your deck safety inspection today. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChumpaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Steelers fans are stunned at how things went in week one against the San Francisco 49ers. Browns fans might be stunned to see their team as favorites in Pittsburgh, but they are after the way things went down for both clubs during the first week of the 2023 season. Joining me right now to talk about it as we look ahead to Monday night football at Acrisure Stadium, Browns and Steelers all be on the air with the pregame show on WDVE ESPN Pittsburgh pregame show as well starting at 4 p.m. with Dale Lolly be listening for that. Kenny Rhoda with us right now from 1480 WHBC in Canton. He's on with us frequently to talk about the Browns and Steelers whenever these two teams meet up twice a year. Kenny it's great to have you on again. Glad that we could touch base and uh, I imagine folks in Cleveland pretty optimistic after the way things went, not only for the Browns in week one, but how badly things went for the Steelers. Yeah, first home opening win for the Cleveland Browns since 2004 when Jeff Garcia was the quarterback and he beat the Baltimore Ravens. So that's the first time since 04 they started the season in their very first game at home with a victory and a convincing victory, you know, 24 to 3. My goodness, uh, the Browns dominated that football game with their defense, and that was the big focal point this offseason, uh, Tim, and it was Jim Schwartz coming in as the defensive coordinator, loading up on that defensive line to give Miles Garrett some help, and they went out and they acquired uh, you know, s- some guys that could get after the, the quarterback, some guys that could stop the run, and did a great job of both. The offense was so-so, but uh, they got it going in the second half, and for whatever reason, 
Kevin Stefanski owns the Cincinnati Bengals in seven games. Stefanski's Browns are 6-1 and one against Joe Burrow uh, and the Bengals. So, yeah, they're feeling pretty good about themselves and wondering what happened to Pittsburgh in the opener against San Fran. Why? Why are they so good against the Bengals all the time, especially with the turnover that's happened? Uh, you mentioned coordinators uh, like Jim Schwartz coming on board. Uh, they've changed quarterbacks. Why the threat of beating the Bengals so consistently in recent years? If I had a, an answer for you on that, Tim, I would have bet my entire bank account, okay, before they played the opener. I really don't know because it has been, you know, different characters uh, each and every year. Cast of characters that have changed. And yet the results are the same, 6-1. and one. And for whatever reason, Burrow does not fare well. I guess if I had to point to one common denominator, Miles Garrett seems to play his best games against the Cincinnati Bengals. I think he has eight or nine, maybe even ten career sacks against the Bengals. And he was able to track down Joe Burrow in the second half of that game from behind and bring him down for a, you know, a game-changing sack that kind of sealed the deal for the Browns. So, uh, if there's one thing I'll point to, maybe the pressure on Joe Burrow and also Denzel Ward and the secondary. Ward had a pick six either last year or the year before of like 95 yards uh, you know, in Cincinnati, and he seems to rise to the challenge in the matchup against Joe Burrow. So uh, Ward and Garrett, the two most important defensive players for the Browns, uh, seem to play very well against Cincy. So I'll, I'll go with that for right now. Let's stick with Ward and also throw Newsom in there because both Matt Canada and Mike Tomlin were raving about the job that those guys did against Higgins and Chase for the Bengals. From what you watched, was it strictly because those guys just did their job in coverage or were things so disrupted up front that Burrow uh, didn't have time to get set and let those guys get open? Which, which was more true as far as the outcome went? with Higgins and Chase being so quiet? I think, and this is what Jim Schwartz wanted, it was a combination of both, right? Less time for the quarterback to throw, less time you have to cover downfield, so a chance for a pass breakup or an interception. And so I, I thought the, you know, the coverage was blanket coverage. We're talking man-on-man. Man. They went mano-a-mano because they rushed four, sometimes five, and they were able to affect Joe Burrow. The weather was a factor, too. Burrow's calf. So there were a number of variables, but I think the combination of the pass rush getting to him and also the coverage, which was very good against arguably the best trio of wide receivers uh, in the NFL. So uh, that's a good sign for the Browns defense if they can get that combination on a regular basis. We know about Miles Garrett for sure. Zadarius yep. Smith added to the mix. Dalvin Tomlinson added to the mix. James Daniels, the Steelers guard, was talking at great length about those two and how tough they were to deal with in the NFC North when he was a bear. How did those two look in week one? Outstanding. Uh, Zadarius Smith set the tone the very first play of the game. Burrows back to throw. Zadarius Smith was in his face and got a pass breakup, uh, hit uh, Burrows' hand, and that kind of set the tone, and Burrow was, you know, he was looking around all over the place. So he was trying to figure out where the pressure was coming from. And I don't know if you saw the video of Miles Garrett over center pretending like he's doing a crossover dribble as they're getting ready to snap the football. And uh, it was uh, it was an impressive move by him. And he was able to you know put pressure on, and it led to a sack. And that was one of the keys. So uh, all those guys, Smith, uh, Tomlinson, Garrett, Elliott, all did a, a great job. And they're hoping that they do that more often. 
Kenny Rhoda with us from 1480 WHBC talking about the Browns and the Steelers coming up on Monday night. You know, there was a huge talking point in Pittsburgh this offseason about the Steelers needing to use the middle of the field more often. They weren't good at that last year. And then in game one, they play the San Francisco 49ers. Greenlaw, Warner, the two safeties are really good. That didn't strike me as the best team to roll out any plans that they had to really start cooking in the middle of the field when you play the San Francisco 49ers. We just talked about the edges and how good they were against Cincinnati, the corners uh, for the Browns against the Bengals. How is the middle of the defense? What was your view on how they played in week one? My concern for the Browns, if I'm you know scouting it uh, and I'd be writing notes down, all right, run defense and linebackers. Uh, guys up front, front four, actually, they go six, seven deep up front, okay? Strength of the defense followed closely by the corners. The linebackers and the safeties, we're going to see that. That was Last year, there was a lack of communication between uh, the second, uh, de- you know, second unit and third unit, meaning the linebackers uh, and the, the safety and the cornerbacks. Anthony Walker uh, was hurt. Sione Takitaki got hurt. Those guys are back. They're not 100%, but they're back playing. And Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa is that hybrid safety linebacker. And those three guys are still somewhat of a question mark on that defense. So that's an area, if I'm the Steelers, I'm going to try and run the ball more than 10 times like they did last week. And I know they fell behind early, and maybe that's why they threw it as much as they did. But if there's a weakness, it's still running the football against the Browns until they prove they can stop it. And uh, maybe with the tight end, the, you know, Jalen Warren maybe out of the backfield, Harris out of the backfield catching the ball along with uh, maybe some double tight sets and trying to exploit uh, the linebacking core and the safeties. Now, uh, we're waiting to see, uh, you know, if Juan Thornhill, who did not play in week one, who came over as a, a free agent signing from Kansas City, if he'll be able to go. Uh, if not, then uh, you've got Grant Delpit back, but he doesn't have the experience that Thornhill does, and they'll use McLeod, who they picked up, uh, you know, this offseason from the Indianapolis Colts in free agency. So that, to me, is the area of weakness of that Browns defense. If you're going to be able to exploit it uh, the middle of the field uh, and running the football. And so uh, that that's something that Matt Canada and the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, need to try and put in the game plan. Again, Kenny Rhoda, 1480 WHBC in Canton, our guest here. Tim Benz with you as always. Kenny, looking at the offensive line for the Browns, I mean, it was a jailbreak repeatedly for the Steelers against the Browns in the season finale. It kind of looked like Deshaun Watson had some ring rust when it came to feeling the pass rush. Uh, there could have been 14 sacks in the day. There was half as many, but, you know, I think he ran into a few. Uh, he was amazing in some of the sacks he got away from. It was nuts watching how that went down last year in the last game of the season. Where's the pass protection now, and where's Watson when it comes to feeling the rush? Watson did a great job of feeling the rush last week. He scrambled a couple of times for first downs on third down. Um, he went to the line of scrimmage, looked at the defense on his touchdown run, audible to uh, you know the run call, and read his blocks extremely well, got into the end zone. So if there was one area that he was impressive last week, it wasn't throwing the ball, and the weather had something to do with that. Um, it was reading the defenses, checking to the right calls, and then also – uh, when the pressure came, the protection broke down, he was able to get loose and make plays with his legs. And that's something that the, the Browns have not had in a quarterback in a long, long time. And I think he's going to need to 
continue to do that because they lost Jack Conklin last week uh, to an ACL. He's done for the year. That means DeWan Jones, the fourth-round pick out of OSU, the rookie, is going to start at right tackle. He's a big boy, and that's an understatement. Uh, about 6'8", 375, I think, is what they list him as. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see if they try and uh, you know give him some help on the right side with T.J. Watt or if they let him go and help on the left side where Jed Wills at times was a turnstile last week against the Cincinnati Bengals, and he's been uh, a very disappointing first-round pick. So the weakness of the offense, we talked about the linebackers uh, in the middle of the field on defense. The weakness of the offense right now, left tackle, right tackle for the Cleveland Browns. Are they going to remember to keep running the ball if it's working this time against the Steelers? They tend to get away from that for some reason. <laughs> I, you know what? We were talking about this, and Kevin Stefanski loves to throw the football. And, uh, you know, we had people calling us up last year, run the ball, Stefanski, and calling them all kind of names uh, and everything. And last week, because the pass game wasn't working as well and the weather was bad, they had to run it, and they ran it for over 200 yards. So they are one of the best run-blocking teams and running teams in the NFL. And I saw what uh, McCaffrey did to the Steelers last week and how much they gave up on the ground. So you would think, yes, uh, run the ball until the Steelers can stop it and then throw the ball. But with Kevin Stefanski, you just never know. Of course, the Niners are really good at scheming their run game. The Browns, are they a little bit more straightforward still with how they give the ball to Chubb and just let him do his business? Yeah, that's that's what it looks like. We would like to think that uh, Stefanski can scheme uh, as well as some of the other coaches, uh, offensive coordinators in the league, but uh, there are doubters like myself. I think he's on the hot seat this year. This is a make the playoffs or he could be uh, fired year for Kevin Stefanski. So uh, that's why it was so important to win one of the first two games to start the season because they're playing divisional opponents in the first two games. Now, if he can get off to a 2-0 start where you're 2-0 overall and 2-0 in the division, then that sets up the rest of the schedule very well for Stefanski and the Browns. But there there are questions about Stefanski, and we'll we'll see if he can, uh, you know, answer the call this week on a Monday night uh, where Mike Tomlin usually has his team ready to play regardless uh, of how they looked the previous week. T.J. Watt is about to set the record for most sacks in Steelers history. The way he goes against the Browns sometimes, I feel like he might double it in one night. I mean, like he's been that good against them. But right. um, like you said, I'm really intrigued to see how this breaks down between Jones and Wills and who gets the most help. Um, I, you know, that they had that one game for whatever reason, they had Hudson kind of one-on-one against Watt. I didn't get that. What's your hunch about how they block it up and – how does that sacrifice the pass game then? Like, how does that break out, do you think? Well, I'm curious to see. I, I really am because that's my biggest concern. Uh, you know, on my radio show, I picked uh, the Browns to win uh, 27-13 just based on what I saw from the Steelers' offense uh, and the Browns' all-around game this past week. But I also followed that up by saying, but if the Steelers can create some turnovers off the pass rush with Highsmith and, and Watt – then they'll have a chance to maybe uh, get the victory at home. And I don't know how they're going to do it. Are they going to do double tight sets with, uh, you know, Njoku sacrificing uh, his pass catching ability to block? That might be the smart move. Uh, I'm curious to see how Stefanski uh, elects to go about doing that. Uh, they, they really don't have a fullback, so it's not like they, they can rely on the fullback to, uh, you know, get in there and, and chip off the edge. 
Um, and uh, I'll be honest with you, when you look at the, the backup tight ends, Harrison Bryant and Jordan Aikens, I'm not real high on either one of those. Now, Aikens might be the better blocker of the two. Uh, Bryant is more of the, the catching tight end, and he caught the only touchdown pass last week. So maybe you see Njoku and Aikens, you know, as the blocking tight ends there to, to help on the pass rush. And yes, that limits how many guys go out for a pass. But if you can get the time, maybe you feel good about uh, Amari Cooper and Elijah Moore or Donovan Peoples-Jones going up uh, against some of the corners from the Steelers. Awesome, Kenny. Really appreciate the time. Enjoy the game, and we'll catch up again later in the season, I'm sure. Always look forward to talking with you, Tim. We'll see how this one plays out on national TV. Kenny Rhoda, he's been our guest right here on the Breakfast of Ben's podcast.